0: Welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. Yeah, that's right. New episode. <laughs> I know it's shocking. Uh, this kind of is turning into an almost monthly podcast, but I'll get back into the swing of things here soon. Uh, as a lot of you know, I'm going through a lot of personal stuff, a lot of business stuff, a lot of changes in my life, and i am just not had the time to, to do this as often as before, but I'll get back into it. Uh, the reason that I'm coming out of hibernation for this one is once again, Facebook. <laughs> Something else that I saw too often, too much. And it just it grinds my gears enough to to jump back on the microphone. I really don't want to turn this into like a ranting type podcast. But what's funny is the more angry and pointed and direct I get with these, I get a lot more positive response, which is weird. <laughs> I try to be helpful, try to be the nice guy. And, and you know, I get some, oh, good job. And then I have just a ranting, angry <laughs> podcast. And all of a sudden it's great. Good job. Keep it up. So, evidently you like it. I'll try not to be too negative, too, uh, too upset too often, but this one kind of is a rant. I have to kind of go off on a tangent here, but this goes back to something I mentioned a while back in, in my hiring episode, but it's that phrase, no one wants to work. God, does that just piss me off because it's not true. And I see it so often in in, uh, Facebook comments and posts and messages. And I hear it sometimes from clients and people and having conversations at conventions and seminars. People just love to say that. (laughs) No one wants to work. No one wants to work. And we say it so flippantly and we hear it so often. We're just, we kind of like nod. I found myself once nodding along. I'm like, yeah, wait, no, no, wait. Because it's just becoming so mainstream to say it. And I'm here to tell you that it's not true. 100% it's not true. If you're the person that says it, you're wrong. And if you hear somebody else say it, please point them out or point them to this podcast. You know, sometimes I wonder if like these angry ranting episodes are are worth it because I don't think people that listen to podcasts and are, you know, doing business coaching and, and going to, to conventions are the ones that are saying it. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking for no reason. Maybe it's helpful, but I have to go off on it. So the phrase no one wants to work. Is a cop out. It's a 100% excuse. And the excuse is poor leadership is what it is. If, if you're saying no one wants to work, what I hear personally, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but when you say no one wants to work, all I hear is you have a terrible business ethic or business leadership. I have to say it because they do. People do want to work. That's the dumbest thing you can say is no one wants to work. The problem is you. 100% and I'm sorry if that hurts but please keep listening because it gets better but the problem is you and that goes for any issue that you have in your business and I've said this before people that have a business and they point fingers at their employees or their customers or their suppliers and it's just oh them 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 it's always somebody else's fault very rarely is it right we all have supplier issues right now we're all dealing with the same economy deal with it right we all are there's so many businesses out there dealing with the same things that to just kind of put your head between your legs and go, oh, it's the economy. Oh, it's my suppliers. Grow up, go find another one, figure it out, make it work. That's You can't be in a business leadership role and just keep pointing fingers at everybody else. Oh, these customers. Oh, these inspectors. Oh, the no, it's not. You've got to figure out a way around it. I digress. We'll get back to the actual problem at hand here, which is employees and hiring, right? When you say no one wants to work, you're pointing the finger again when you have all the control here believe it or not. And when I say the problem is you, everybody wants to work. That's how life goes around, isn't it? Nobody's literally sitting home right now going, yeah, no, I shouldn't say nobody. I'm sure there's a few here and there, but those are the minority, the extreme minority. When you look at unemployment numbers in the single digits, that means less than like, you know, five out of a hundred people literally don't want to work or can't for whatever reason. But making that a blanket statement is just plain stupid. I talked about it uh, in my last podcast when I went to a new restaurant here in New Hampshire called Jersey Mike's. When I think of a sub sub shop, I think of Subway. You go in, there's maybe one person behind the counter on a really good day too. And that's all the amount of people it should take to make a sandwich, you would think. That's just what I'm accustomed to is one or two people, it's a good day. Walking into a new restaurant and seeing 12 people behind the counter blew my mind. I'm like, first of all, as a business owner, I'm like, you must be hemorrhaging money right now. Your your labor margins must be through the roof because how much money can you be making to support 12 people on the clock at the same time for sub sandwiches? So that was my own little like inner turmoil as I'm watching it. But then I was fascinated by how it worked. They found something for 12 people to do. There was nobody standing around doing nothing. That was the first thing I looked for was that guy, right? You want to find that guy that actually doesn't want to work. And there wasn't. Out of 12 people crammed behind a sub counter, everybody had a job. Everybody was moving, doing something. And I was severely impressed. I'm like, this is good. Profit margins, labor margins aside, it's working, right? But then my mind went to, how did you get 12 people to work at a sub shop? And at the same time. Is this like the entire company? Do you have triple the amount and they're at eight hour shifts? Like I want to grab that business owner and and just buy him lunch, talk to him like, hey, what's going on? How does this work? But that feeds into my mindset is the people want to work. You just have to give them a place to work and something to do. So the other thing that I noticed about the people, I'm going to say them. I don't like being that them, those people guy, but really it's a, it's a group of people that usually say it those people that like to say no one wants to work usually share some common qualities. The one that I assume is the one that you're just a terrible leader or trainer and you don't know how to run a business. That That's just my own personal jadedness. The other side of it is they're usually smaller, right? And they think, that that's the way that business runs and that's the way that all businesses run and everybody's in the same boat. But then they look and there's these people that hate big chimney business, like we're some kind of fat, rich, you know, just cigar smoking, don't do any work and don't understand the little people. It's stupid. We're all in a small business market. We're all, most of us still doing work out there with the people. This is, you know, we're not running multi-billion dollar conglomerations right there's no little elon musk chimney company so that whole big chimney business is bad thing just upsets me because there's really really good big chimney chim- uh, companies out there right Lindeman, for those that don't know has hundreds of employees like they're the ones that stay kind of low i always thought mark stoner's company was the biggest or one of the biggest and then come to find out Lindeman's just blowing it out of the water and they're quiet about it you don't really hear about them very often they're not in your face and that's why I didn't really realize, but Lindemann's huge and they're doing a good job at it. Stoner does have, I don't, I don't actually know the numbers. So I'm completely guessing just from having seen and been there. Uh, but Stoner's got, I think 80, 90, maybe close to hundred people now. Not really sure. Uh, Jasper Drangler up in Wisconsin. And keep in mind, this is Wisconsin, right? I've talked before about how I have 30 chimney companies in my direct market within an hour of me. And it's, you know, competition everywhere. Jasper's got nobody. I think he's got 200 miles of a service area with nobody else really around to compete with him. And he's got 50-ish. Like I said, totally guessing. You guys can message me your exact numbers if you want, but I'm making my point. But Lindemann's got hundreds. Stoner's got almost 100. Jasper's got like 50-something. Winston's Chuck Hall down in Washington. He's got 40, 50, 60, somewhere in there. He's got a ton of people. Uh, I'm right on the cusp of 30. We're at 26 right now. Just lost a couple. Uh, Anthony Valerio, who I'm going to see next week for uh, for training, uh, he's right on par with me. Guy caught up. When I met him, I had five or six employees and he had one. He passed me recently and then I caught up. So this is kind of fun to go back and forth. But he's right around the 25, 26 mark right now. And there's a bunch of others I can't remember, but I'm just making the point that it's possible to grow your company past two. That's it. Not that you have to, you have to put that in there for all those people that say that big business is bad and chimney sweeps are supposed to stay one man in a truck forever. Fine. If you believe that, there's still a place for your company growth and for your personal growth. What I'm talking about is the people that are hiring. All I'm saying is it's possible, right? So for someone to say no one wants to work, and then I just listed off six companies that have over 300 combined employees, you're wrong. And that's not even counting all the people that are out there that are listening right now that have four, five, six, seven, ten 10 employees. You're in this mix too. You're hiring as well. You don't have to have hundreds and, and multiple dozens of people to fit this category. If you have more than two, you're you have, you're worrying about hiring. That's the point I'm making today. The people that say no one wants to work usually have a problem getting past two or three and that they don't realize it's a them problem because there's a lot of other people proving that people do want to work. So. Let's get that out of the way. So here's the the hard thing for people to grasp. The problem is that people don't want to work. That's not the problem. The problem is people don't want to work for you. That's what needs to get through to people's heads. And that's where a lot of business owners get kind of stuck in the mud, right? This is the way we've always done it. This is the way it always worked before. This is the way it worked in the 90s. This is the way it worked in the 70s. This is the way it worked last year. None of that matters. As a business owner on every facet, you have to find a way to adapt to current times. Last month doesn't matter. Sometimes last year for sure, 2 years ago, forget about it. You go into a different decade and you might as well be speaking a different language. Business, economy, technology, customers, everything changes at this point daily for anybody that's been paying attention to the fed and the interest rates and the economy and all this stuff like you have to be on your toes daily for things that are coming down the pipe so just because it worked last year or that's the way you've always done it or that's the way your father did it or that's the way the guy before you did it or that's the way the guy down the street did it who cares you've got to find what works for you and if people don't want to work if in this market in the last couple of years you haven't been able to get more than two three employees the problem is you And we're going to go into what exactly that means, right? The first thing you need to realize when you're hiring is you need to be humble about it. I know that sounds kind of weird. You're like, what do you mean be humble about hiring? Be humble about hiring because it's not about you. You might be the one in need here. You might need the person tomorrow, yesterday. We've all been there. But be humble about it because the reality is they're the ones in need. The person applying—they're the ones that have the the trepidation and the nervousness and the unsurety because they're the ones that taking a job with you means that you're now in control of their way of life. From the pay, obviously, can they afford their groceries? Can they afford their rent? Can they afford their lifestyle? Right? But then also the time—you're in charge of their time. You're going to take up a massive chunk of their week. Do they have families? Do they have social life? Do they have uh, recreation, they have something that they need to have time and energy for after they finish working for you because their life is not going to be your job. So they're the ones that are on the hook here, not you. And so many times I see people, oh, nobody wants to show up for the interview and Nobody, and they came in and they only lasted a day and pff, no one wants to work. Shut up. You have to realize when somebody applies with you, they're literally putting their life and all of their loved ones' lives in your hands, and they're trusting you to take care of that. And if you don't, or they don't feel you can, they will leave. And it is not their fault. It is not, especially in this trade. If you're still listening, thank you. We're going to explain what that means. Hopefully, I haven't pissed everybody off, but it's not their fault if they leave. So be humble about it. This is their life and their way of life that they are putting in your hands. And a lot of us screw that up royally, myself included, right? So the question is, what do they get out of working for you? Flip the script a little bit. It's not what do you get out of them working for you? No, no, no. Right. Simon Sinek said this. One of my favorite things. He talks to a lot of CEOs and this isn't a chimney sweeping problem. This is an industry problem because he deals with this at Apple and Microsoft level businesses where leaders say dumb things like, you know, how do I get the most out of my employees? (laughs) And he laughs and he starts to like wring his hands like he's wringing out a, a, a towel and he goes, that's not what an employee is. An employee is not there for you to wring the most out of them. That's not what an employee is. It's exactly the opposite. I'm telling you, when you hire somebody, try to figure out, is it worth it to them? What do they get out of working for you? That will help you set your hiring and your training and your retention programs from the very beginning. That's the foundation. What are you providing? A paycheck? Great. You're no better than McDonald's. You're no better than the gas station down the street. Everybody with a now hiring sign can provide a paycheck, so That's literally nothing, means nothing. And to that point, I know some of you have seen my pictures and stuff I've posted around here. McDonald's in my area right now is uh, starting at $20 an hour and also providing daily pay. That's what we're up against, talking about a changing market, talking about adapting with the times. Right now, if paycheck is all you have to offer, McDonald's will give you that. And right now, are you willing to pay $20 a day? On the books, by the way, none of this, you know, cash under the table bullshit because that's not helping anybody. Are you willing to get daily paid20 dollars an hour employees because you can go right next door and make fries for that. So pay is not it. So what is it? Well, let's let's reel it back. What is chimney sweeping? What is a chimney company? right? To us, to the people in the trades, it's everything. It's our life, it's our blood, it's what we've been doing for a long time. We've sweat and, and bled all over chimneys and we, we live it, we love it. It's, it's our life, sweep life, right? What is it to somebody that's never heard of you before? We joke about customers all the time not knowing that we exist or joke about homeowners that don't know how to burn wood. We joke and we joke and we joke, but then we try to hire and we expect the people that are applying to instantly know exactly what we do and why. They don't. So no one knows we even exist and the ones that know we exist it's a joke. A lot of times I remember when I first started in the first like five years of being in the trade, five years is a long time. And I talk a lot, obviously. And there were still people in my own circle that I'd see them be like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm doing chimney sweeping. They're like, <laughs> no, re- like, what do you do for your day job? I'm like, no, no, really? That's what I do for a living. And they kind of stared at me like, what? Like how? It's summer. What, what, how can you, I don't understand. And I had to explain to them. No, it's it's a job (laughs) and I really do it. And it's actually more than chimney sweeping and blah, 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 blah. And those are people that know me. So how much work are you putting into the people you're trying to attract to work with you? The people that are, that need to put their life in your hands. What are you doing to educate them on what they'll be doing or that we even exist? That's the first thing. Second thing is those of you that are just hiring helpers. These I'm talking to the smaller companies usually. These are the ones that say no one wants to work the loudest is the ones that just literally want a guy to show up, foot the ladder, hold the flashlight, get the tool, sit down and shut up. And then they expect him eventually run a van maybe if they ever want to start growing, but by that point they've just held a flashlight for 2 years and now they're upset because they don't learn anything, right? So if you're just hiring helpers, if you're just hiring a guy to help you do work, you'll find them. You will find people because people do want to work. You're not going to get longevity out of them. You're not going to get loyalty out of them because why? There's no career path there. There's nothing for them to work towards. They're, they only see footing your ladder for the rest of their life. So if there's no opportunity and there's no path for them, they're going to go find something that will provide that and they leave. And that's not their fault because who here would ever want to foot somebody else's ladder forever? I know I wouldn't and I didn't. So what you're hiring for also matters. Like, do you actually have a job for them? Usually the people that are hiring a helper don't have a a business themselves. And there's books written about this and multiple people in the industry have said it. I've said it before. If you are a one man operation and if you can't take a day off without the company not making money, you don't have a business. You have a job. And what you're doing when you're hiring a helper for your job is you're just creating another job that also depends on you showing up or not for work. So you can't take time off. So you'll get people that will apply. You'll get people that will come in and work. They usually won't last very long. And that's when you get the people complaining that no one wants to work. They do. They just want to work for someone that's going to care for them long-term and give them something more than task. The second, well, the third one here, And this one's going to hurt, so hold on, but hear me out. If you're still working out of your house, I know, I'm sorry, (laughs) but I'm speaking from experience here. That is going to hurt you in the hiring process. It will, because think about it, you're hiring for an industry, a trade that most people don't even know exists. At best, they think Mary Poppins, but the uh, generations are getting younger and some people don't even know who that is. So we're losing that. So if you're hiring younger people who don't know who Mary Poppins is, you've got an uphill battle, even trying to show them you have a job. Let's say you do a good job of that. They know you exist. They're like, you know what? Let's try out this chimney thing, right? I, I could be a plumber. I could be an electrician. I could be a roofer. I could work for my buddy who's a framer. Like there's so many jobs that everybody knows exists. Let's try out this chimney thing, I guess, maybe. And then they're like, okay. And they look up the ad wherever you have it. We'll get into that later. They look it up. They want to do it. Yes. All right. Where are they going to go to find where to go for the interview? you going to give them an address? Maybe. Or they're going to look it up. Either way, 99% of the time, they're going to type that into Google. And I didn't realize this when I worked out of my house because I ran a company out of my house for four years. And I had the same problem. People weren't showing up for interviews or only certain people were showing up for interviews. And I'm like, man, this this pool is really low. I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Why? It wasn't until we moved out of my house and we went into an actual building and I had to change my address on Google. And it took a while for that to take effect because Google isn't overnight. So it took a week or so, I forget. But I'd never really Googled my own company before. And I did, trying to see when it would update. And I wanted it to update because I was appalled when I looked up my company and clicked on the address and clicked on the street view because the street view of my company was my house. My house is a little worse than most. Um, I had moved into a house that hadn't been kept up for years, needed a lot of work, and I put a lot of sweat equity into that house. When I moved into it, the, the bushes were overgrown. The trees were hanging over the driveway. The driveway was... Was full of potholes and it was, you know, it was a mess of a yard. It was just an ugly setup. And that's what Google Images showed for my house. I put a shit ton of work into that home, literally cutting down trees on my own and digging up and having it backfilled and and getting the yard done. And it was beautiful. I had a nice big yard with the irrigation system and it was clean cut and presentable. But the Google car never drove down my street for another 10 years. So all those times that I was putting out a hiring ad, or sending people to my house, and they were typing into Google. They were seeing my overgrown shrub of a mess house. I'm surprised anybody even showed up at all. Maybe you have a really nice house. Maybe it's really presentable, and Google took a really nice image, and it's great. But think about that. Somebody that's taking a chance on you, and taking a chance on an industry they've never heard of, and they go to Google, and they type it in, and a picture of a house shows up. Or maybe you're one of those where you live way off the beaten path and there is no picture of your house. It's just a picture of woods. <laughs> when You you know those when you're looking for houses, going to a job and you're like, oh, great, there's no driveway. I got to bring out my machete so I can get there. Usually really nice houses, but they're off the beaten path for a reason. They don't want to be seen from the street. Maybe you got a really nice house, but you can't see it. So if somebody's going to go to your place of business for an interview and they pull a picture of trees or a house, you lose a little bit of credibility. You might even lose them completely. So that is working against you. I know a lot of people are proud of that. I know a lot of people don't want to move out of their homes. I know a lot of people don't need to stop working out of their homes. I'm not saying you need to, but I'm saying you have an uphill battle when you're trying to hire. On top of that, who you hire is now going to be important to you because you're now asking them to come to your home every day. I remember when I was still working out of my home, my daughter Grace had just been born. In the way that our house was set up, her bedroom was directly above my quote unquote office, which was in my basement, which was one quarter of my basement. It was a desk for me, it was a table and computer and chairs and a little card table for the employees to sit around. It was very homey, very comfortable. I look back on it fondly, but it was directly underneath my daughter's bedroom. And babies usually don't, you know, wake up at the crack of dawn after a while. And we were there, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning sometimes, and we'd have to like be whispering, we're like, okay. Like, Did you make sure to grab the ladder? I'm like shut up the baby <laughs> like banging ladders around and throwing stainless steel around the driveway, which was the driveway was right off of her bedroom as well. So car doors slamming and alarms going off. like we had to be quiet because my baby was asleep right above us. And I'm like, I gotta be careful I bringing in my home because they're coming in my home with my sleeping daughter right above us. like that's how I operated for three, four years. and looking back. I did have people apply. I did have people show up, but not many of them lasted. Some of them did. A lot of them didn't because the quality of people that I was getting were the ones that needed the job that bad. And I'm not going to go off on uh, hiring tactics. That's in the hiring episode. Go back and find it. But things like drug tests and background checks, you need to do those. And the people that complain about not wanting to work are the ones that think the pool is so shallow, they have to hire whoever shows up. So they usually don't. I'm raising my hand right now because that was me. I couldn't figure out why nobody would show up for my interviews that were scheduled. Probably because they drove past my house and they were like, no. Or they looked it up on Google. and were like, okay, (laughs) nope. So if you have an issue with people even showing up, maybe they're setting the interview and they're not showing up. One of the issues could be what comes up when they Google your address? Don't know what it looks like. Could be part of the issue, could be more but that's one of them. So working out of your house is working against you. The next thing is, let's say you have a presentable house, you have a storefront, you have a really good ad, people know that you exist, they show up, they sit down for the interview and you have no benefits. That's something that's going to impact the quality of your candidates as well. Because of course we all want the, you know, not really young, not really old, somebody that's really kind of sitting in, in that, that middle age where they can work, they know the quality of their work, they know, have good work ethic, they're going to show up, they have a car, they have responsibilities, usually those people come with families, usually, not always, even if they don't, they're still, if, if they're old enough, they know that things like benefits are important and they want them. They're not willing to settle to not have them. I remember getting asked all the time, do you have benefits? I'm like, no, you know, not yet. It's really expensive for a business to have them. So, I mean, we're working towards it one day, maybe. And they'd be like, okay, right. No, thanks. And people would walk away because of that. Some people stayed, but then they would hound me about it. Like, hey, do you get those benefits yet? No, no, we're looking into it. It's kind of, you know, the economy and everything like, okay. And then they left. They left because they weren't getting what they needed out of me. And that's where that humility has to come in. Flip the script. It's not how much you need them. I know that's a really big deal, but they need you more. And they need to be taken care of. And one of those things is benefits. They are expensive, but they're worth it. What you will get from offering benefits, paying for benefits, is a higher caliber of loyal employee. I promise you that. So if you don't have them, find a way. There are tons of different ways out there to get crowdsource benefits, cheaper benefits. You can get some really expensive benefits. You can, you know, we tried some for a while that had really high deductibles. Like we had benefits, but nobody used them because they sucked. There's ways to get them, and there's ways to keep getting better at them. So have something for them. Um, this is next on my list, but really should have gone earlier. Um, I had a client that was complaining about. Not being able to find people on Indeed. And I use Indeed. I've talked about that before that people are like, Oh, I've tried that. It didn't work. Well, it didn't work for you. It's working great for me, but this guy was using it. He was, you know, really adamant about it, but he's like, just nobody wants to work. Nobody's, nobody's applying. I can't get anybody. And I was like, let me see what your ad looks like. Let's go over it. So I wanted to see the wording, see if there was something, you know, throwing people off. And I realized something was missing. He didn't have any pay listed. And I'm like, What are you paying for his market? He was paying really good. And I'm like, you need to put that in there. And I forget his reason why, like he didn't want somebody to see or he wasn't sure. He had some, some reason not to, but I was like, put yourself in their shoes again, right? They don't know you exist. They don't know that this isn't a reputable trade. And at the time, my 16 year old son was looking for work and he was using Indeed and I was sitting next to him and I was helping him trying to find his new job. And I watched how he searched. Because I would search a certain way as a business owner and somebody older. I was watching how a 16-year-old looked for a job. He would scroll because that's what they do. Scroll really fast. He was scrolling faster than I could read. But every once in a while, he would stop on a job that caught his eye. He's like, "Ooh!" He's like, oh. And he would read the title of the job, click on the ad, and scroll directly to the pay skipped over all the paragraphs, skipped over all the requirements. There were some of the jobs that he liked the name and he liked the pay. And he's like, oh, I'm going to apply for this. And I'm like, read the requirements. must have a bachelor's degree. (laughs) I'm like, you got to read it before you actually click apply. He's like, oh man, but that's it. Name, pay. So if you're hiring on something like Indeed or Monster or Job Recruiter or whatever else is out there, Craigslist, even, I don't even care, anywhere that you're advertising, if you don't put the pay in there, no one's going to click it. Because it looks fake. You're scrolling along and you've got truck driver, warehouse distribution, you know, burger flipper, chimney sweep. People are going to stop on that. Like, ooh, what? Chim- what? That's a thing? Okay, let me click into this and read about it. And there's no pay. You sound like a scam. You sound like a joke. You sound like somebody that's, you know, advertising for work from home for $4,000 a week. Call this number. That's what you sound like. It's unbelievable. So if you have no pay listed, just do it. I don't know if that was one-off. Maybe other people are doing it. Please list it. But then I've talked before about what we've incorporated at Caesar chimney when they have applied, scheduled the interview. They actually showed up. Everything's good. Right. But let me back up on that too. Actually, if they don't show up for an interview, who freaking cares? I see that a lot uh, too, too often. Like, oh my God, I had 10 interviews scheduled. And only two showed up. Oh my God, can you believe? No one wants to work. Two people showed up. <laughs> I'm like screaming at my phone. I'm like, what did you do with the two that showed up? I don't, how many people do you need? 10 right now? Because that's an issue too, if you're hiring that many. But who cares who doesn't show up? They're not going to show up. There's professional job appliers out there we know that we get them all the time they'll apply we see their resume we're like they have nothing to do with this trade maybe they're trying it out we call them up we set the interview they never show up we almost, we all kind of see it coming now because they're just clicking the boxes to get their unemployment fine those are the people that don't actually want to work okay who cares stop focusing on the negative and focus on the ones that did I used to schedule interviews on Saturday mornings and I would waste my entire Saturday doing it and I hated it. And I would set up one every half an hour. And there was one Saturday between nine and 12, I had like five or six scheduled, two showed up. Was I upset? Yes. Did I waste my time? Absolutely not. Because I used the time in between to get a lot of work done during the that time that I didn't get done during the week. So I was using it wisely. if they showed up good for them and if they didn't, I had work to do anyway. I got a lot of emails sent that day. But who cares? The two that showed up, you need to be ready for. You need to pour yourself into them. You need to show them why it's worth it to them to work for you, not the other way around. If they're just coming in and sitting down and you're like, can you climb a ladder? Can you read a tape measure? Are you good with heights? go you okay getting dirty? All right, you're hired. That means nothing. They're going to tell you everything you want to hear right there in the interview. They just, they want the job. They do want to work, believe it or not. And if you're too angry at the two that didn't show up before them to take it out on the guy that did show up, well, then once again, that's a you problem, isn't it? So stop focusing on the negative and start focusing on who actually shows up. Now back to my point. When they show up, I am terrible at interviews. I'm absolutely terrible at it. I'm not conversational in the least. It's just awkward to me to be like, hey, so what'd you do at your last job? Oh, good. I just no, it's weird. That's why Max does the hiring and I don't. But what I incorporated was a workaround because, once again, you have to adapt to it. I'm not good at interviewing, and before Max did, I had to find a way to make it work for me. And it actually worked for them because what I did was I made a slideshow. And originally, the reason for the slideshow was because I was terrible at staying on track. Still am, which is why I have such a hard time with these podcasts if I don't have them scripted. But that kept me in line. It reminded me of the things I needed to go over and to talk about service area, to talk about pay and talk about, you know make sure I hit all the high points. But then as I kept doing interviews, I realized that it was helping them and it was helping me figure out them. Reason is they don't know what we do. <laughs> First of all, I've already said that I'm going to beat that horse to death is they might show up thinking Mary Poppins. They might show up thinking roofing, but it's your job to help them understand. Now what's even worse is if they show up expecting chimney sweeping and then the first day they're out there they're on a liner or a rebuild right make them understand this is not chimney sweeping sorry for those that are listening that still think that's what we all need to be called it's not because we aren't some people are run with it if that's you the majority of us are doing more than sweeping so if you're advertising chimney sweep and they show up make sure you explain to them we do a lot more than sweep and then go into exactly what to expect because that's the next thing. So many people get hired, and then a day, two days, three days, a week later, they're gone. Just disappear. Poof. And you're like, what? They were so into it. They were great. They were wonderful. The resumes, they were so and they just disappeared. God, nobody wants to work. No, they do, but you you pulled a bait and switch. They they didn't, they weren't doing the work they were hired for. You missold them is what it is you made it sound like they were just going to run a brush a couple times and get dirty and have to climb a ladder and then their first week on the job they're carrying a rack of 10 bricks or a flue tile or a 30-foot stainless steel snake up a 40-foot ladder and they're like what the i didn't sign up for this i'm out so make sure you're explaining to them what they're actually doing my slideshow shows pictures of the first thing actually chimney sweeping and i say that this is what most people think we do and we do and here's a picture of us sweeping and brushes and we got some fun pictures in there of us Very next picture is us hard hat, helmet, ear protection, eye protection, gloves. And I'm like, This is what we do. And there we are, cutting out bricks, putting in liners, rebuilding chimneys, putting up scaffolding. I'm like, This is what we do. And then I keep going and I drill that point until it's dead. Here's a picture of us on boom lifts. Here's a picture of us on scaffolding. Here's a picture of us on a five-story, 12-pitch roof dangling from the peak. Here's a picture of us in a basement. Here's a picture of my son's legs as he's standing underneath the fireplace in an ash pit. Here's a picture of a guy inside of a wall that's only like two foot by two foot taking down a chimney from the inside. Here's a picture of a guy dangling off of a ladder doing repointing three stories in the air. I drive that point home. Do I scare them away? Absolutely I do. I want to. I don't want to hear that. Oh, I'm good with heights. I helped my brother on a roof once. I can do this. And all of a sudden they're scared to death on their first day. I don't want that. And the one guy was funny. He, I remember this, it happened more than once, but this guy stuck out just because of the face he made shows up and I'm like, you know how you're good with heights. Absolutely. I'm great with heights. Okay. You ever been on a roof? Oh yeah. I used to work on roofs all the time. I helped my dad and my brother or something. I was like, okay, you good with hard work. Yes. you good with this. Yes. He said all the yeses like everybody does in interviews. I was like, great let's look at this slideshow. And at that point, the slideshow was on a TV behind me, not on the computer in front of me like it is now. So in order to look at the slideshow, I had turned around and I was looking away from him, clicking through, clicking through once in a while, looking back at him, making eye contact, clicking through. I get to the end, I turn back around and I look him in the eye and I'm like, so what do you think? And this guy that five minutes ago was not scared of heights, has worked on roofs before, not scared of getting dirty, not scared of hard work. He's great. He can start tomorrow. His eyes were as big as golf balls. And I'm like, what do you think? He goes, um, you know, I just realized I actually am scared of heights. <laughs> and I said, I 100% understand. Thank you very much for showing up. Took his hand and he left. That guy in any other company would have been hired. Because he said all the right things. He said all the right things. I can read a tape measure. I can carry a lighter. I'm blah, 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 I've done this before. Great. Start tomorrow. And then day one, his knees are knocking. Day two, he doesn't show up. And then day three, the, the business owner's on Facebook going, nobody wants to work. It's bullshit. You undersold the job. They didn't. You didn't prepare them. You underprepared them for what they were going to get into. So it's a lack of preparation. But let's say you didn't undersell it. Let's say you've done everything right up to this point. You prepared them correctly. They know what they're getting into. You get them out on the job site. They're out there first week or so. And instead of being safe, you've got them up there dangling for their life. No harnesses, no helmets, no gloves, no eye protection, no boom lift. You've just got them working off a ladder because that's what you've always done. And that's what your daddy did before you. And that's what the guy before you did. Great. That's not what they signed up for either. If you're going to ask them to do a dangerous job and put their life on the line, you have to make it safe for them. Don't get somebody that's never done this before on a roof and expect them to act like you do every single day after you've been doing it for X amount of years. And the longer you've been doing it, the more I've noticed this is an issue for people. I've been doing this for 40 years. I can do blah, 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 blah. They can't. And just because you've done it for 40 years, unsafe, doesn't mean the new guy is going to show up and just do it because you do. That's not how that works. You have to make it safe for them. If you're going to ask somebody to put their life on the line, prepare them correctly this is more than OSHA. OSHA will get you, but at the same time, your employees will leave you. That's the biggest thing you got to be worried about. But a lot of people aren't worried about that. Instead, new guy shows up, gets scared on a roof, quits. And what's the first thing everybody says? That's right. No one wants to work. It's bullshit. God. Don't expect them to show up and be stupid or scared or stressed. Nobody wants to work. I don't care how much money you're paying. That's not going to. I mean, They might do it in, for a while. They might do it because they have to, because maybe they really do need the money, but don't think they're not looking for work on the side and they'll leave at the first chance of making the same amount of money without having to risk their life. So make sure they're safe. PPE and and the the, the equipment needed to do this job correctly is expensive. Yeah, it is. You know how many uh, boom lifts we rented last year? $100,000 worth. So I bought $100,000 boom lift. Was that expensive? Hell yeah, it was. Do we charge for it and make a profit now? Yes. Different topic. But why did I do it? Because it's safer and because it's cheaper than renting it. How much scaffolding do we put up? We put up a ton of it. How much did I buy? A lot to take up a whole van and a bunch of space in my shop. But now we also have somebody else put it up for us as well. Why? Also because safety. Could we put it up? Yes. Is it cheaper? Yes. Is it just as safe? Absolutely not. We're not trained in this. It's not our job. We don't do this for a living. Somebody else does. They're worth more. The customer pays for it. My guys are safer. Win, 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 win. PPE, everybody's got a bag full of hundreds of dollars of equipment that we replace on the regular because somebody lost it, broke it, can't find it, want a new one, and we just keep paying for it. Why? Because it's safe. I'm not going to ask them to stick their face in a cancerous hole for a living with a, a cloth mask on it. Don't get me started on how bad cloth masks are a whole different topic too. But that's the point. Give them everything they need to do it safe. Because if you put them out there fighting for their lives, they'll leave. And that's also not their fault. I don't blame them in the least. I blame you. The next one is the, the biggest one, right? Let's say you've done everything right. You have a great ad out there. You have a career path set up for them. You offered benefits. You you listed your pay in the ad. You have all the safety. You have all the training. You've given them everything they need to do the job right, and you don't train them. That's different than the guy that hires the helper. It is different. The people that are just hiring helpers, they just think that they're the be all and all to the job, and. Employees should show up and work for them just because of how wonderful they are and foot their ladder forever. And they're just wrong and don't realize it. The ones doing it right, hiring the people, but then not training them. They're doing just as much damage because you're dangling a carrot that's unattainable and it creates a frustrated employee. You're doing everything right. You're there for them. You're helping them, but you're too busy to train them. And you take these these new people that usually don't know anything about chimney sweeping They're taking a chance on you with their life and their their way of life. And they're taking a risk with their safety, but you're taking care of that too. And you get them out on the job and they don't know how to do it. That is dangerous. It's dangerous because once, you know, they can get hurt or the customer can get hurt. But also, they need to know what they're doing, right? Right. And a lot of employees will just fake it. They'll fake it till they make it because they want to impress you. They don't want you to think they can't. So they'll try and they'll try. And if they're not getting training or education while they're out there doing it, they're spinning their wheels and they get frustrated and they get burned out. And then maybe some of them are like, this is too hard. I can't do it. And that's your fault too. I don't blame them. If they're doing a job they've never heard of using parts they've never heard of in places that most people have never seen before and they don't have the necessary training to do it, They'll leave and they'll leave sad because they wanted to and they wanted to for you and they'll leave because they couldn't and it's not their fault. Yes, there are people that actually can't. I'm talking about the ones that actually want to work here. There are people that come in and they just straight up can't do the work. A lot of times though, I take that personally. If somebody leaves and they couldn't do it, it was an actual work problem. I don't let them go. If they quit, it's one thing, but I'm not just going to fire them because they can't do the work. We go back and we retrain on it. But I take that personal. If you can't do the job, I failed. That's the kind of leader that I am. I don't want to hold everybody else to that metric, but that's what I do. (laughs) So that's what you need to do. You need to take it personal if they can't do the work. Simon Sinek once again talked about that. He talked about parenting is like having employees, right? If you're a parent, you can't just fire your child. They get a bad test on a grade or they get disciplined or sent home from school or or detention or they make a mistake. You don't fire your children. You can't. A lot of us think we want to, but you can't. Same thing with employees. Why is that the first thing we go to? Oh my God, he can't do the job. Okay, fire him. No. If they can't do the job, it's your job to fix it. The same way you would with a bad test grade. The same way you would if somebody has a discipline problem. You would find ways to fix it because you have to. Let me clue you. If you have employees, you have to. If it's beneath you to train, if it's beneath you to retrain, if you don't have the time to invest in them, you shouldn't have employees, period. Especially in this trade. It's one thing if it's roofing or electric or plumbing or HVAC, something that's mainstream, something they've seen on TV or seen somebody else do or know a guy that did, that's out there enough that they know enough about it. And then there's schooling and education and, and all of that, that you can kind of get, you know, you can make it. But if we're asking them to join a job that no one knows exists, using parts they've never heard of in places they've never seen before, and they don't know how to do it, that's a you problem that you have to fix. Training in my company is the number one investment for a reason, not because I like to tout certifications. How many times have you heard me talk about how many certified guys I have? I won't. I have a lot. (laughs) And I am proud of them for doing it, but it's a them thing, not a me thing. I give them the opportunity to get the certification, and I praise the shit out of them when they get it. But training is a them thing. If you're out, and I've heard people say this too, there's people that are mad at the CSIA and there's people that are mad at the NCSG and everybody else because the certification doesn't do enough marketing for them. Get out of here. The certification doesn't market for you. I worked for a guy that did that. He literally got me certified and he told me specifically so we could put it on the van and use it for marketing. If that's your idea of, of certification or education, I got some choice words, but I don't want to put the explicit filter on this episode. Don't do it or just get out of the industry. Because if that's what you think education and training is, then you're so wrong that you're probably not listening to this podcast anyway and I'm wasting my time. But that's not what it is. Training, education, certification is an individual thing. Yes, you may front the cost. Yes, you may front the time. Yes, you may prepare them for it, but they're not going to do it if they don't want to do it. It's an individual thing that should be praised and it should be encouraged by you. If you don't make it a big deal, it won't be for them. You need to make it a big deal because they need to know what the hell they're doing. If this job is done wrong, people die. That's how serious this job is. I think a lot of people miss that. It's a a means to an end. It's a a sales thing. Look how much money we make. Look how big my company is. If we don't do this correct, every single day people die. From the sweeping to the installation to the work itself employees customers and you name it this has to be taken seriously so if you bring them in and you want to invest and you want them to last the number one thing you have to do is train them and train them day one I've said that time after time I worked for a guy and I was also the guy that hired people and the first day was get in the van here's your shirt follow me and do what I do keep your mouth shut does that sound like your company Is that day one for a new employee? If you can't take the time to invest into them, make it. Make it or don't hire. Don't blame them for not wanting to work. If they don't know what the hell they're doing, they're not going to. Day one shouldn't be, follow me, I got a job to do. You just hired a helper. Congratulations. I hope he foot your ladder well. (laughs) Okay. Day one needs to be, hey, what do you know about chimneys? No you never oh, Santa Claus okay good well most people know not a, not a bad thing so let's start at the top this is actually a chimney cap All right this gets confused a lot with a crown a lot of people will call the crown a cap but the crown is actually this piece right here that's the cement top that covers the top of the chimney and sheds water off it so this is a cap this is a crown these square around things in the middle these are called flues believe it or not that they're actually not one solid piece they're actually two foot sections stacked on top of each other yeah I know yeah even that tall that one over there. 40 feet worth of stacked on top. Yep, I know. And on and on you go. Because they have to know what the hell they're talking about before they even touch it. So start with definitions day one. I don't care if you don't have a training setup or time. That's what you're doing in the van. Draw some pictures. Pull some pictures off the internet. I have pictures I can sell you. People have pictures everywhere. Get a picture of a chimney and draw on it. I don't care. Stop making excuses. I don't have time to train. You do. Get a damn picture and show it to them on the drive to the job and go, here's a crown. Here's a crown. It's not that hard, but so many people are going like, to have time to train. Well, you shouldn't be running a business. You shouldn't be putting people in harm's way, doing dangerous work if they don't know what they're doing. Train them. But day one should be entry level stuff. Here's a chimney. Here's what it does. Here's how you sweep it. Here's how you inspect it. Here's what this means. Here's what fluorescence is. Here's how flashing should look. Here's how, the, here's how a damper operates. Like You should be up their butt for the first month showing them how to do that job. Minimum. We started doing that way too late. And I told you that before I got, I'm saying this with all this passion because I have been that guy and there's still people out there telling me that I'm wrong. (laughs) It's funny, but I had a guy that was a month in and still didn't know how to sweep a fireplace and he was mad at me and he's giving me a tongue lashing in my own basement at like seven o'clock on a Saturday night. And I sat there and took it because he was right. I wasn't doing training. I wasn't doing reviews. I wasn't checking in with him. I didn't make sure he knew. I just assumed, 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 assumed. And he's out there feeling worthless. He's in a customer's home feeling stressed. The customer's watching. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just, by luck of the draw, had never been in a fireplace in a month. We hired him in the summer. We're doing a lot of masonry. We had a lot of wood stoves. Like he had done liners. He had done rebuilds. I thought for sure he had done a fireplace sweeping. So when I sent him out with a guy to go do it, he couldn't, and that's my fault for assuming because I didn't train, and I didn't check in on him. So don't assume that they're just going to do it because you can or they saw you do it. Actually train them, please. There's so many guys that I have seen bottom out of this industry or phase out or burn out because they just were never trained. I get it a lot too. i've had I've had people come in my company where it's it's funny the the owners tell me. I mean, you can hire him if you want. I mean, I couldn't get him to go to the next level. Like, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. He just doesn't want to work. He just didn't want to. I hear all the excuses. And when an owner says that to me, I just smile and nod. I'm like, oh, I know, right? Employees. And then I go back and I train the shit out of them. You know, what's funny is those employees are amazing. I to be careful because some of them are listening and some of the owners are probably listening. And you know what? <clears throat> I don't care because the employees that I've got from other people that tell me that crap that they don't want to work and they can't and they won't, they do amazing when they're put into a position where they can thrive and grow. And if you're listening, if you're one of those employees, you're killing it. You know who you are. But stop with it. Stop with the excuses. God, I'm so sick of the no one wants to work thing. They do. They do. They want to know what they're doing. They want to be educated in it. They want to be rewarded for it, which is pay, but that's just a part of it. I have a a slide I put in my presentation at MACA last year that showed that. And it showed the top 10 things that employees want in their job. And then the top 10 things employers think employees want. And they were ranked. Number one was pay from the employers. They're like, they want pay. That was five. It was number five on the list out of 10. Number one was rewarding work. The work itself mattered more to them than the pay. Five times more. That's what we're getting wrong here is we think we're just going to throw a big number at somebody, have them get in the van, throw a shirt on them, and they're going to hold our flashlight forever. And they don't. And we're like, they don't want to work. It's stupid. Stop with that. Which brings me to the last thing on my list, <clears throat> which kind of sums everything up all in one, which is lack of leadership. You heard it before that people quit bad leaders. That's true. All the things we've talked about here, the quote is actually people don't leave bad jobs. They leave bad leaders. People are like, well, what do you mean they don't leave bad jobs, you know? they won't. They will put up with a lot of crap. They will stay longer than they should and then eventually leave. Loyalty, longevity comes from leadership. All the stuff we've talked about here, lack of safety, lack of training, no benefits, hiring just a helper, not even advertising your job correctly. That's all lack of leadership. That falls on you. Everything falls from you. A fish rots from the head, right? So I'm not pointing fingers here, trying to make enemies. I'm trying to point out the fact that if you're a leader, if you're a business owner, stop puffing your chest out like that's some kind of a title and start doing it. Start leading your company. Everything starts with you. The the attitude, the culture, the training, the processes, everything starts with you. And if it fails, guess whose fault it is? Something else Simon Sinek said, he goes, leadership is a terrible place to be because if everything goes right, you have to give away the credit. If everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. He's 100% right. That's what a leader is. And if you can't take it, don't be one. That's why I'm being so hard on this topic is because hiring is not the employee's fault. Most of the time. Have I had employees not work out? Absolutely. God, like when COVID started, we had six employees. And I remember because I had, I shut the company down for those two weeks I've talked about and I had a masonry training and it was only six people deep. And I was like, we're just going to take two weeks and figure our shit out because we might not have a job next week. I had six people. And then I remember watching the news and they were talking about layoffs and they are talking about companies closing and they were talking about people not having jobs. And I'm like, and I'm watching Facebook too at the same time. And I'm seeing a lot of this this negative commenting from other business owners. Like, oh man, we've got to shut doors. We can't. No one wants, you know, everybody's firing people. But I went the opposite way. If everybody's firing people and everybody's shutting down businesses, that means there's more people for me to hire. That's where the eternal optimism comes in that I try to have. <laughs> I'm like, shit, if all these restaurants are laying people off and all these companies are closing down and there's more people in the market, that means there's probably people that have been waiters and waitresses and, and office people and warehouse workers their entire career so far, and that's all they think there is. Let's market to those people. Let them know there's a place they can come and work and grow, and let's see what happens. And wouldn't you friggin' know it? We added, we tripled in 2020. Went from six to 18 through COVID, when we weren't even supposed to be in people's houses, I and mean, we weren't even supposed to be working, and everybody else is going, oh my God, we got to shut down, we can't find employees, no one wants to work, I tripled in size. Did I advertise it? No, because I don't want to be a dick and act like I'm rubbing it in people's faces, and I'm not rubbing it now, I'm just showing you that it's possible. We tripled in 2020 in company size, when everybody's complaining about employee and unemployments and no one wants to work. So keep being negative because I'll just keep taking them. (laughs) That was mean. But that's my point. Now, that also comes with a grain of salt because I had Max pull the numbers for me. We, since COVID, have hired 36 people. 36 people in just over two years. 20 of them have stayed. 19 have left. I'm sorry. The 39 people, I did my math wrong. 39 people, 20 left. 19 state, 50% we had a 50% retention rate on that the funny thing about that is it's not like 50% of my company leaves I looked at that number I was like oh my god that's terrible then I realized that most of the people that were terminated were terminated within the first three months that's a whole other episode I did talking about accountability talking about uh, problem employees toxic employees is on you as well everything is on you by the way spoiler alert I should just change the title of the podcast to everything's your fault <laughs> but it is, you can't let the employees in going to work out last that long. So the majority of the people that were terminated left in the first three months, because they were terminated based on reviews, based on attitude, based on culture, based on whatever two people quit Two out of 40. It's not that they don't want to work. It's that they don't want to work for you. And that's not a, a, that's not a dig. I'm not saying that you suck. Maybe you do whatever. If the shoe fits, But when you're a business owner, your job is to adapt. Your job is to fix the leadership. Starting with you. Fix how you do it. Adapt with the times. Figure it out. If McDonald's next door is going to hire $20 an hour and pay on the daily, maybe you do too. I don't know. Whatever it takes. If you don't have benefits, if your Google image is the back of your house and you can't understand why no one's showing up for interviews, figure it out. Start meeting at a coffee shop. I don't know. If you're not advertising your pay or benefits in your ads, why even advertise? You're not going to get people worth the quality of the uh, applicant you want to apply on the regular and stay for a long time because why would they? If no one even knows you exist, start doing some marketing, some PR, get yourself out there so that people know that it's a reputable trade. Right? Stop blaming the people. Stop blaming their age. By the way, that's another thing. Oh, these freaking millennials. Oh my god, these Gen Zers. No, these. That's the other thing. That I, <laughs> god, I could keep going on this. The age thing, right? I have these numbers too, because that's my favorite. When somebody says to me, oh my God, this next generation doesn't want to work. Am I right? I'm like, you're not, you're not. And let me tell you why. Here's some real numbers. I have 26 people in my in my company. Out of those 26 employees, 18 of them are between the ages of 18 and 25. That is 69% of my company is Gen Z and they work harder than you. Nah, I don't care who's listening. These guys and girls are killing it. They do things that I wouldn't do on the regular. I'm like, go get them. I could not be prouder of the Gen Z's that work for me. And then when I see some asshat go, this next generation sucks. Mm, no, they don't. <laughs> 69% of my company will tell you otherwise. And a lot of other ones too. All the names I listed before, Anthony, Chuck, Jasper, Mark, they'll tell you the same thing. This next generation rock stars, every one of them, when they're prepared for it. The rest of the numbers, by the way, 26 to 30, I only have two out of my whole company are 26 to 30 year olds, which is 73% total or under the age of 30. Almost three quarters of my company falls into the category that most people like to shit on all the time. So that's fun. <laughs> Next stat, 30 to 40 year olds in my company, five of them. Almost all of them in leadership. I'm one of them, but it's 19% of my company. 30 to 40-year-olds. Most people think that that's the age you have to get to get a good employee. You're wrong. Three-quarters of my company will tell you so. And there's only 3% of my company, one employee, that's over 40. He's my general manager. (laughs) So it's not the age. Leadership usually comes with maturity, comes with age, comes with experience. Yes, but work, ethic, loyalty, that can come with any age. That matters if you pour into them. So stop blaming the age, too. I think I've beat this horse enough to sum it up. Stop blaming the people. Stop blaming the age. Start looking at yourself. People do want to work, but they want to want to work. And if they don't want to work for you, that's a you problem, and it's up to you to fix it. Thank you for lending me your ears.